Are you pulled in so many directions you're busy all day, but when the day ends, you don't feel like you accomplished much of anything? Just like you, the women I coach are in demand. They have teams that want their attention, clients to serve, and tasks that need to get done. I've been there myself on many occasions. There are different responses to this state of affairs. You might be in the camp of looking out at some point in the future, right? You convince yourself that when you get there, that place on your calendar that looks clear, it will be a lot better. I did that for years. And guess what? As that point in time got closer, my calendar filled up and I had all new projects on my plate. This cycle perpetuated for a long time before I realized what I was doing. You might be researching to find new strategies for time management and productivity and making a few strides, but still needing some relief. Or you might have started to give up hope that it will get any better, right? I know some of my clients, when we first start working together, they have gotten to a point where they start to believe that this is normal. This is probably the way it's always going to be. It's because I've reached that certain point in my career or level of leadership that this is just how it is. Regardless of what camp you are in, you are going to get a lot out of this on-air coaching call. I'm chatting with Madison, who is wearing many hats as her company is experiencing and gearing up for even more growth. She and I talk through many of her responsibilities and strategize how to organize by priority and how to organize her calendar. We look at leveraging members of the team who are experienced and eager to do more. And there's an added bonus in here. And what I believe may have been a pivotal point in our conversation, we also talked about what might be going on when a team member isn't changing their behavior after you've given them feedback, right? Have you had that experience where I feel like I was clear? I feel like they understood where I was coming from, but the behavior I talked to them about is still happening. So this might be a bonus for you. If any of this is resonating with you, listen in. This is a good one. If you are new to the Women Taking the Lead podcast, hello and welcome. I'm Jody Flynn. I'm an executive leadership coach, speaker, and author. I am the current president of the board for the Maine Women's Conference, and I have the privilege and joy to work with women leaders to hone the skills and the mindset that allow them to grow into and then thrive in senior leadership. My specialization is working with women who are still stabilizing after their last promotion and those who want to be ready for the next one. It is my belief that for more women to hold positions of senior leadership, there are changes at the individual and organizational level that need to occur. Not only do women need to be trained and coached on how to operate at these levels of leadership, organizations need to change their paradigm of how the work gets done and what supports are in place for leaders to do their job. If we are not already connected on LinkedIn, please send me an invitation to connect. You can find me directly at linkedin.com forward slash IN forward slash Jody Flynn 
or you can search the platform for Jody Flynn. I'm very active on LinkedIn, so I should be at or near the top of the search results. You'll see the follow button is prominent on my profile, but you, if you click on the more button to the right, you'll find the option to connect. Click on that and be sure to add a note to the invitation, letting me know you're a listener of the podcast. I would love to connect with you and get to know you better. Welcome to the Women Taking the Lead podcast, Madison. Thanks for having me. I'm happy to be here. I'm excited that you're here. So before we dive in and really get to the good stuff, tell everyone a little bit about what you do and what industry you're in, just to give them some context. Sure, I can do that. So I am an operations manager of a virtual call center. So in the telecommunications industry, um, in kind of a niche of home services, uh, primarily. And my day-to-day is typical of an operations manager in the sense of keeping the day-to-day afloat, you know, putting out fires, um, as well as a big focus is growing our company. So finding new clients. Um, We're a pretty small company, so I report directly to the owners. So it's probably set up a little bit differently than some other, you know, call centers or maybe have a couple of different roles than typical operations managers. I wear a lot of hats and it's super fun. But with that comes some some challenges and some struggles. Um, so yeah, very excited to be here. So yeah, that is pretty unique in that, you know, you're reporting, you know, your your boss's president, CEO is actually the owner of the company. Mm-hmm. Um, and you've mentioned that you're very much in like that startup mode or definitely that startup pace where you're wearing a lot of hats. There's a lot to Mm -hmm. do and you're not quite looking to double your team before the end of the year, but pretty close. Yeah. We, um, we go back and forth as far as where we see our team, um, numbers wise by the end of the year, but, um, we have some pretty, pretty high goals, big aspirations here. Um, yeah, the company's been around for about 15 years, but the current owners bought it about three years ago, right before COVID with a lot of plans to grow and expand and pivot. Um, then COVID happened. So that kind of you know slowed down a little bit. And so now really the past year or so, we've been um, making a lot of changes and it, it does feel very much uh, similar to a startup. Luckily, you know, nothing against startups, but luckily there is a lot of structure in place. It's not completely chaos as I would kind of envision a startup of, you know, Amazon with the banner, you know, behind mm-hmm. uh, Sharpie Dawn or something like that. But um, yeah, we all wear a lot of hats and are being pulled in a lot of different directions, which, you know, again, kind of leads to some of the questions that I've had and some of the things that I'm struggling with. Um, but I do, I do feel the benefit and I feel myself growing and learning every day just in this organization and kind of um, being able to wear all of those hats I know has really helped me develop as a person and my career in general. So it's lots of pros and cons. Yes, right. There's no best fit for everyone. It depends on really your personality and the work you you like to do and be challenged by. One of the pros of working for a smaller company and wearing a lot of hats is you get experience in a lot of areas. Whereas when you work in a bigger company, there are so many people to fill all of the roles that your role, you become very specialized 
at something yeah. specific. And like you said, there's pros and cons to both, but right now you're in the phase of, okay, so that's a great clarification. It's an established business with relatively new owners looking for rapid, pretty rapid growth over the next year or so as things start to stabilize in the market. Mm -hmm. Okay. That's great context. So you, mm -hmm. you alluded to, there are some challenges to this type <laughs> of environment and being mm -hmm. a leader in this type of environment. So what did you want to talk about today? Yeah. So, you know, I've got, I've got a little list, but I think that one question that could kind of lead into some of my other smaller questions is feeling I, I truly feel like I don't have enough time in my day. I feel like I'm running around uh, like a chicken with my head cut off. Yet at the end of the day, I feel like I haven't quite executed or accomplished as much as I'd like to, which leads me to think that I have you know, poor time management skills, or possibly I'm taking on too much. Um, you know, it kind of all overflows into feeling a bit overwhelmed at times and trying to balance my work with my personal life and not get burnt out, which I know is a very, very common topic, um, I think, in women leaders in general, especially kind of new in their position. But that's kind of what I'm a main thing that I'm struggling with. Mm -hmm. This is, you know, very timely, like pun intended or unintended. <laughs> I don't know, because um, in one of the recent episodes um, on air coaching calls I did with Andrea, she talked mm -hmm. a lot about like wanting to get back time. And I'm also currently developing an episode which may come out before this episode is on time management and some of what I'm reading and developing. So I'll, I'll throw this out there and you let me know if this resonates. It's probably not that you have poor time management skills per se, right? You're probably doing all the things like I'm time blocking, I'm doing this, I'm focusing, I'm like da, 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 all the, all mm -hmm. the tips and tricks that are out there I've implemented and I'm still feeling like this. It may be that you have too many things that you're trying to manage. So there's no amount of time management that could help you there, mm -hmm. right? Or alleviate mm -hmm. it or your goals, the deadline isn't far enough out, right? And that mm -hmm. can often happen with ambitious leaders where mm -hmm. I want to do this and I want it done ASAP. And so mm -hmm. we, we time pressure the goal. Whereas, mm -hmm. you know, um, and I think I explored this with Andrea. It's like, who set that deadline? Mm -hmm. Was it you? Mm -hmm. Was it your boss? You know, was is this an expectation you have of yourself? So let mm -hmm. me stop there and give me some feedback. How does that resonate? Yeah, 100%. I I know that is it. And it's, it's definitely me putting the time restraints on myself. My uh, leaders are absolutely ambitious, but are really never to say, I want it done. And I want it done now. If anything, maybe it's the opposite in the sense of we have so many ongoing projects and open-ended projects. I mean, I could I could list pages and pages of things that I'm working on. And so it's really kind of prioritizing those. And it, there's kind of a back and forth of, you know, looking for guidance from them in the sense of what do you think is the most important? And what has allowed me to grow a ton in my career and as a person is them often putting it back on me and saying, we trust you. That's why we put you in this position. So you know, you make those decisions. Um, 
And then I find myself in this like analysis paralysis of, you know, trying to make these decisions or then trying to decide, should I even be making this decision? Should I be making another decision? Should I be working on something else? And yeah, so but it but definitely resonates what you said. Okay. Too many things on my plate. <laughs> I love this. And you may not realize it, but you're already really good at this because you started our conversation with, let me ask this question. Because if you answer this question, it'll naturally lead to mm-hmm. some of these other smaller questions. Yeah. Is of the things that you're working on, is there a thing where if I got this done, it would naturally lead to all of these other things that I'm trying to get done at the same time. I'm sure there is. That's an interesting way to look at it. And it's funny that I can apply that in one area, but not the others. But I should absolutely make a list of all the things I'm working on and try to maybe bucket it and funnel them um, as opposed to a list maybe bucketing is a term that we use often here. Um, and, you know, I'm sure you've used it uh, as well. Mm-hmm. But I think that if I could kind of look at my 50 things that I'm trying to get done and bucket them together, and then maybe prioritize those that you're right, that it might have more of a trickle down effect than I than I may have realized. Typically, there is, you know, one or a couple of things that if this were done, it would make doing all these other things a lot easier. It's just sometimes when we look at everything and we feel like it needs to all get done right now, we mm-hmm. have a hard time prioritizing, right? It gets to the point where I like I use the term with my my clients where everything feels like it's on fire. And needs our Mm -hmm. attention. And so we lose the ability to prioritize because we're so overwhelmed. When we're in a state Mm -hmm. of overwhelm, we can't, we lose that ability, that executive function of this can wait. That's not as important. This is urgent and important, right? And though, you know, if you think about those Franklin Covey quadrants of Mm -hmm. important versus urgent, you know, like we, in the state of overwhelm, everything just gets lumped into the same category. So let me ask you this. I don't know if this this would be easy to answer. Is there something that immediately comes to your mind that you're like, this is both important and urgent and I could get done right away? Yes, 100%. Um, I have a document that is still open on my computer um, that is me reworking our policies. So I lead a team of 14. Um, It's kind of half of the company, um, not in number of employees, but um, we handle kind of half of the business um, and operate a little bit differently than the other half. So there's the kind of these overarching policies and um, core values that, you know, definitely apply to both sides. However, tying back to kind of that um, you know, asking, what are the policies? What should I be enforcing? That's ultimately on me and, and up to me to decide for my team. So that's something that I've been probably pondering a bit too long of, you know, putting out this list of policies, for, because from there, um, there are some things that I some conversations I want to have with some people, and just some other things I want to implement some different coaching as well that I feel like naturally, the kind of new policies should come out before. And you're right, if I if I simply can get that one thing done, I'm sure that a lot of the other things will feel a lot more attainable. 
and easier for me to delegate as well. Um, I do have an awesome team and I have a couple of people that I really can lean on and that I've been working really hard on getting better at delegating that are coming to me saying, you need to delegate to me. Tell me what to do. Um, you what, a right, gift. Awesome. what a gift. I know. Yes. I, know. <laughs> I have some amazing, amazing people who are always willing to help, but I find myself feeling like, what can I even what can I even delegate? I don't, I haven't even formed a full thought. How could I possibly pass it on to you? But if I could get one of these things done in my buckets, one of which being this list of policies, um, I could definitely think of some tasks that could be then delegated to them. That's amazing. Okay. So this document is your priority and the beauty of this document is when it's done, like you said, it sets up the opportunity to have some great conversations, whether it's delegating or just having a conversation with someone like this policy has changed. Now we're going to mm-hmm. need to do this. So we just need to talk about it, talk it through. Mm-hmm. Cause it sounds like you've been wanting to talk with some people about expectations mm-hmm. and things of that nature. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. this just lays the groundwork in a non-threatening way Exactly. You know, rather than saying like, I'm not happy with what you're doing, you can just say, Hey, we just published a policy and here's what's expected. Do you have any questions? How can I support Mm -hmm. you? Fantastic. Yes. And this will lead to those other things. Yes. And also I just want to, um, kind of go over stabilizing versus building. This is something, um, my coach actually talks about in her program. And it's not like we're 100% in one place or another, but sometimes there are activities that take up the majority of our time that lean one way or the other. And it sounds like your, your focus needs to be on stabilizing activities right now. That is the creating the policies, the procedures, like onboarding, offboarding, a lot of things that just, you know, customer experience, things that just help the business run smoothly Mm -hmm. as opposed to building, which is hiring and getting more clients and, and things of that nature. That's like more building activities. And it sounds like, yes, you have goals for building, but the stabilizing activities are what at this point in the business are going to lay the groundwork for building to be successful. Mm-hmm. I agree 100%. Yeah. Um, I, yeah, I, I don't know if I had mentioned to you, but I definitely didn't mention in the beginning of, um, of this call, I am quite new to the role. So I've been with the company for about two years, but I've been in this role kind of leading this department since January. So since then, it has been very much, you know, relayed to me that, you know, in the beginning, there is going to be a lot of stabilizing to do. Um, However, there are still kind of those building goals that are pressing down. And I think that maybe is part of my um, feeling like I'm spread very thin is trying to do both simultaneously, sometimes quite literally with my three screens in front of me, having one project that is, um, you know, kind of on the stabilizing side and and somehow trying to multitask of doing something else at the exact same time or, you know, within the same hour even that maybe it's a little bit, maybe I'm giving myself some whiplash trying to do both. Possibly. Yes. Is there a way where you could structure your day or your week so you can give the stabilizing activities focus, right? Because you said you get to the end of the day feeling like Mm -hmm. you haven't accomplished anything and you've probably moved 
15 different projects or initiatives forward a little Mm -hmm. bit, but at the end of the day, you haven't concluded anything. Like, Mm -hmm. is there a way you could structure your calendar for say this document where this document gets done today or tomorrow Mm -hmm. or like another initiative you dedicate one day a week where you're not worrying about the building uh, Mm -hmm. activities and you're focused on stabilizing so that you can check that box and get it out into the world. Yeah. I think that that would actually be very helpful. I have been, like you said, doing kind of time blocking and trying to um, really be hyper-focused on whatever project or initiative I'm working on in the moment, but I haven't quite separated it by day or even week. You know, maybe just giving it more separation would allow me to give that project, whether it be the stabilizing or the the building project, all of my all of my energy and focus, as opposed to feeling like I have to divvy it up between the two. I think that would be really helpful, and I think that if I could manage to get this one. Um, one project done, just one list out within the day or tomorrow, I think that that would set a really good groundwork to start that kind of new time blocking next week. Yes. Yes. The two different types of activities require different brain functions. So that's why you're experiencing whiplash because it takes... Mm -hmm. Because our brains really can't multitask, right? They can do one thing at a time. And when we're shifting activities, it takes our brain a moment to shift into what function it needs to do at that moment. And that's why it's a lot easier to do similar tasks together, Mm -hmm. bang them out, and then roll into other types of tasks. So just for example, I tend to do my creative work along with my administrative work in the mornings. And I do meetings in the afternoon because it's a different brain function for each one. And when, and on the days, you know, there are days where I don't have control people. I absolutely need to meet with, especially when it's a group, there's some people who are like, I can only do the morning. And if we're going to get this meeting done, it has to happen in the morning. I'll do it. But the day feels funky the rest Mm -hmm. of the day, Mm -hmm. you know, so setting as much as possible, setting up your calendar to allow for that would make a difference. One thing I'd also like to explore is delegating. So these people who are volunteering, you know, to take some things off of your plate, are there some things that they could do that would alleviate pressure on your time. So what I'm thinking of is, for instance, could there be a point person for questions that come in through the call center? Like, Mm -hmm. this is your go-to person. If they can't figure it out, then you can come to me. But they're your point of contact. Yes. And I have recently, that is a very recent delegation. So I still feel very um, enmeshed in it. But yes, one particular person has kind of become the coaching, training person, my, my girl that is handling all of that. And so she is doing um, a really good job. She uses these um, terminologies, shielding me from the common questions and um, jumping in front of people who are like, I'm going to call, I'm going to call her real quick. I'm going to call Madison. Um, She's like, no, 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 I got this. Let me, let me take a stab at it first. And that has been huge. I think that I might need to quite literally exit out of my, 
Microsoft Teams or mute it or something because I still see the notifications and I'm not Mm -hmm. sure if it's, um, I'm not sure what it is in me that, you know, still feels constantly pulled um, into those conversations. And maybe it's just that it's, that it's so new, that it's such a new kind of thing that I've given off of my plate. But yeah, your time blocking you really opened my my eyes and I was looking over at my calendar and I I have time blocked. Um, but it's it's not the same activities. I literally have a meeting in the morning and then an interview with a potential client. Um, and then, you know, an hour of working on, you know, a certain project and then another two hour meeting. And so I I am time blocking to try to, you know, focus on one thing for that time. But I didn't think about the fact that all of these things are using kind of a different part of my brain. But now that you say it, it feels so true. Um, I feel like I'm getting into this different rhythm and different headspace, which makes my days at the time feel like I'm doing so many things and I'm running in so many different directions. Like I said, kind of being pulled in different directions. And at the end, it's kind of like, oh, like my day just went by so fast. What did I even do? What did I even accomplish? But it's it's probably because I'm not ordering them in a in a kind way to myself. I'm I'm not being very kind. (laughs) I like how you said that. It doesn't feel very kind to myself. That's amazing. And what you said about the notifications, a hundred percent, right? Because especially, and I'll, 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 out you on this because you haven't said it yet is you had told me also, I am a people pleaser, right? And so there is that part of you of like, do they need me? Would my Mm -hmm. being there make this easier? Could I answer the question faster? You know, that sort of thing. Mm -hmm. And shutting up like, but you're also recognizing like, I just recently delegated this. I need Mm -hmm. to let it run its course. Like your point person, your girl, like she needs some time to get into her rhythm and figure out Mm -hmm. how she wants to handle these questions coming at her. It sounds like she wants this, you Mm -hmm. know, and you can definitely dedicate some time to her like at the end of the day or first thing in the morning to be like, were there any questions that you struggled with or you weren't able to find the answer for? So you can still be available to her, right? And Mm -hmm. help her in her development, but you don't have to worry about everything that's going on on the fly. And I would even recommend putting yourself as unavailable, even if it's Mm -hmm. only for a couple of hours, Mm -hmm. you know, just so you're not getting pinged because our brains do light up when we hear a notification like this, like, oh, because, and this is the thing too, especially if you're working on a document, right? It's requiring your full attention and focus and that executive function. And you're looking at it and you're like, okay, I just got to get the wording right on this. And you're grappling with it, right? And there might even be some, you might be on the struggle bus a little bit Mm -hmm. with some of the sections of the document. Mm -hmm. And then you hear a ping and you're like, that's an easy win. Yeah. I can do that. 100%. Yes. (laughs) Yes. <laughs> Which like, is oh, anything to take my attention away from this one thing that I should truly be working on. A hundred percent. Yes. And what you find is too, if you give yourself that time to just like be on the struggle bus, do the document, like if you can wrap it up, you it would you would have the experience of, oh, this wasn't as hard as I thought it was gonna be. It gets harder when we keep yeah. getting pulled away, right? Again, because mm-hmm. then our our brains cannot multitask. So now it has mm-hmm. to shift to mm-hmm. answering like 
probably a pretty routine, but somewhat out of, you know, interesting Mm -hmm. question Mm -hmm. back to now I'm thinking about this policy and what are the implications and and where was I and who's impacted, right? What's the law on this? Yes. And it takes longer to get back into that brain space to be able to like get the document done quickly. So then tasks take longer because we keep getting interrupted. Um, Mm -hmm. So 100% going back to, you know, if you're, especially if you're doing a task that's not in your zone of genius, your natural zone, like you're probably good at it, but it's not in your natural zone of Mm -hmm. genius, the fewer distractions, the better. Yeah. No, that makes perfect sense. Yeah. The things that I find myself um, dragging out the projects are the ones that I feel somewhat uncomfortable or unsure about, um, you know, that's taking a lot of brain power to kind of make the decisions of not only the wording, but, you know, I mean, what it what is my policy there? Um, you know, if I have this big open ended question where, you know, no one has the answer because the answer hasn't been created yet. And I have the green light to decide that um, it's a very new new thing for me to, to, you know, just kind of have to make those decisions and think through all of that. So you're, you're absolutely right. Do you have a challenge to share? There's so much that can be gained by listening to what another woman is going through and to understanding the strategy she will implement to overcome the challenge she's faced with. For this reason, I would love to do more on-air coaching calls on this podcast. If you're a woman leader who's been promoted or taken on a new role in the last year, I invite you to apply to be on the Women Taking the Lead podcast. You will be completely anonymous, so you won't need to worry about anyone you work with listening to you talk about your challenges. This is an opportunity for you to get insights and strategies to overcome any challenges you've been faced with at work. And the other women listening to your episode will learn from your experience and gain insights they can use at work, just like this episode. You can find the link that will take you to the application in the episode description in your podcast app or at the bottom of the episode page on the Women Taking the Lead website. I'm looking forward to seeing your application. So there's another frame I want you to look at things through. Um, This may alleviate some of the pressure you're putting on yourself and you let me know. A lot of what you're doing, like you said, it's like, it's new. It hasn't been decided before. There's no right or wrong answer. It's just a matter of like, okay, what do we want to try? Right. Mm -hmm. You're experimenting. So there's no getting it wrong. It's just a best guess, you know, based on what you know about the company, the dynamics of the people who are working there right now, what's in the best interest of the customer and the employees together. Okay, let's do this policy. Like you can't mess it up because it's an experiment. That's very true. My What's funny is I I don't consider myself a very methodical person, but when it comes to these sort of 
decisions. And just when it comes to my uh, career, I find myself overanalyzing and being quite methodical. And um, one of the owners who I'm in, you know, more frequent communication with one of them is, you know, more of the face, the other one's kind of the brains uh, behind everything. Um, He tells me all the time, anything, just get something out there, and we can revise. But you know, don't, you know, paralyze yourself. I, we use that term analysis paralysis mm-hmm. often because I find myself in that of, you know, just thinking things through too much and wanting to perfect it before just sending something out. In the case of this document, it's probably better to just make a decision, finalize it, send the document and reassess in a month. If, if something blows up, handle that, you know, cross that bridge if and when we get there instead of just kind of sitting on it and thinking that, no, I'll, I can work through this better. This can be better. I don't want to send out, you know, too rough of a draft. Mm-hmm. Um, I know yes. that I struggle with that. Yes. Well, this this is the reality. Thinking more won't solve this problem. This policy has to see the light of day. That's the only way you're going to know if it's a good fit for everyone. Mm-hmm. And like you said, yep, we can, we can analyze it in a month. You can do a uh, employee survey, mm-hmm. you know, how do you, you know, how are these policies working? You know, like, how does it feel? Like all of that stuff. That's good. Yeah. Right. Like it's not done. I think that that's the thing you want to think about is when you're done with this document, it's a, li- it's a living, breathing document. You're going to publish mm-hmm. it it will get published, right? And everyone will read it and they'll start implementing it, but it's a work in progress. You are getting it to the stage where it's ready for experimentation. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. 100%. Um, yeah. Not only are the policies kind of um, experiment and these are, you know, simple policies like absences. What, what happens if your internet goes out as well as kind of your, your attitude and your engagement with work and your productivity, like the numbers. So all of these individual policies are kind of a new thing, as well as the, um, the use of policies, because until this point, there hasn't been policies because we have been very small. And, you know, our culture is very important to us. So we're, we've been somewhat anti policy, in the sense of we want this community and this, you know, this culture, this team that we don't have to have policies because that can feel a little bit rigid and that's not the the vibe we're going for. But, you know, as we grow and we have these really ambitious goals to grow and to, you know, potentially double our team by the end of the year, you know, at some point there do need to be policies. And just because there's a policy doesn't mean that it's going to be, you know, enforced black and white, but, you know, getting something out there to at least provide some guidance because a lack of policy sounds like a really fun and warm environment to be in, but it also creates so much gray area. And so then it's hard to have these sorts of conversations with people if they're, you know, because I have the policies in my head. We, in leadership, we have them, we know of them, but they're not published. And so I feel like, you know, we're not, I feel like I'm not setting people up for success if I'm internally expecting something of them, but I'm not telling them exactly what it is I expect. Um, Whether I want to, you know, waver on that, depending on the person, depending on the situation, I feel like that's still possible. So I mean, that's kind of one of the reasons why the specific list, this project hasn't seen the light of day yet, because I'm even still struggling with the, the concept of do I even make this policy list? Is this going against, you know, everything that we've, 
we've built? Is this going to, even if the, you know, none of the policies are anything extreme by any means, but even just publishing policies like, oh no, is that going to disrupt the culture? And going back to my people pleasing nature, um, is that going to make people mad at me? Is that going (laughs) to, you know, it's so silly. Um, But you're right. I'm, this is all experimenting. So I think that it probably would be better to get it out and be transparent about it, that this is something new that we're trying to create more clarity for everyone. This isn't intended to be scary. And this isn't intended to say everyone's been messing up. I'm laying down the hammer. It's just, I want to kind of alleviate some of that gray area that ultimately I don't think is helpful for anyone. And, and I think an employee survey would be a really good idea just to get people's honest feedback, which will 100% be taken into consideration. Um, You know, it really is important that, that we have a good culture and, you know, I would hate for any decision that we make to kind of disrupt that. So that's really good advice. Well, also Madison, something to think about is do they have to be called policies? Could they, could they be called guidelines? Because, and I'll tell you this, one of my, um, in my early career, I worked for a company and it was a mid-sized company and they had guidelines, you know, the, there was the attendance policy wasn't necessarily called a policy. It was called attendance guidelines. And I remember talking to the HR person about this because I'm, you know, I'm the type of person where I'm like, tell me what you expect. Tell me what's not okay. I'll do it. Right. I'm a rule mm-hmm. follower. I just need to know what the rules are. But mm-hmm. as a manager, I also had a hard time with this because I was mm-hmm. like, if it's just a guideline, I have a hard time putting somebody on disciplinary action mm-hmm. for a guideline. And you know, the, how she explained it to me was it was, it was a company that wanted to have a family feel right. Like we're in support of each other, but we need to have some organization and some understandings about what's mm-hmm. expected. But, and her case was sometimes there are exceptions to the rules. Sometimes it's, you know, it's not black or white, it's gray. And we needed to have document, you know, documents that reflected and gave the managers some power to, you know, be lenient in some cases if, you know, like, like the example you gave, your internet goes down, mm-hmm. right. And you don't have control over that. Is that an absence or, you know, so are the, so they called it mm-hmm. guidelines, you know, and I still, I'll admit I had a little trouble with it. Cause I was like, Ooh, this is opening up people to being subjective. Right. And are mm-hmm. we going to play favorites and that sort of mm-hmm. thing. But, you know, the, there is the possibility of calling these guidelines or rules of thumb that we go by in order to have some um, mutual understanding or agreement between all of us about what's expected uh, so that we can grow and we're all on Mm -hmm. the same page and it isn't one department operates this way and another department operates a different way. Mm -hmm. I love that. I will be changing the title to this document. following this call. Uh, because yeah, I, one of the other things that I was working on was um, drafting up a, a written warning document. Um, and that felt so polar opposite to the culture that we've, that we've built. And I've decided to rename it a, a PIP, a, a performance improvement plan. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, same kind of concept of, you know, documenting, Hey, this is what 
you know, this is the expectation you're not meeting. Here's our goal. Here's how we're going to work on it together without it feeling so black and white. Yes. Um, you're being penalized, yeah. like you're failing, that sort of thing. Yeah. Now, I love that. It, it comes from a different place of something's not a good fit right here, whether it's right. training or your skills and abilities aren't matched well to, you know, the job that you're doing, that sort of thing. The performance improvement plan feels so much better than a disciplinary warning. Yeah, right. Exactly. Um, and that one I felt more comfortable about. However, you know, I don't want to utilize that until I publish the new policies or guidelines. Mm-hmm. Um, it, you know, so, okay. I like that. That does feel, that does feel a lot better um, than policies. Mm-hmm. Okay. What else do you got? Well, um, I guess my other big thing um, is kind of, which we've, we've touched on. And I think that a lot of it has to do with what we've already talked about is kind of my people pleasing anti-confrontational, um, nature that I feel like I am having the difficult conversations with people that I need to have yet somehow afterwards, I wonder, I'm, I must have made that feel optional because, um, it doesn't seem to be taken quite as seriously as I would hope or expect. Um, and, you know, and, you know, a person's actions haven't changed. They haven't um, taken what I, I said into consideration. They're not changing their performance. And so I feel like I need to be more direct as a person. I think as women, generally, we like to fill silence and um, soften things. And especially if you're a self-proclaimed people pleaser, um, you know, I'm aware of that. And I still go into these conversations thinking I need to make this as transparent as possible. I need to be clear so that there, you know, there's no room for um, interpretation. However, based on the actions after the conversation, I'm assuming it must, it must be something that I'm not saying or something that I'm saying that's, you know, coming across the wrong way. What is it? I mean, different examples, but one example I can think of is um, one employee who just makes simple mistakes often, just kind of marking things wrong or very simple things that when we have a conversation, you know, he, he's aware of these mistakes and it's always a, I know, I know I need to do better. Um, you know, I need to be more careful yet. It doesn't change. And again, I think that this is a lot tied back to our gray nature and our lack of actual guidelines and not having any proper, you know, performance improvement plans or, you know, nothing really comes from that except for conversations. But at the same time, you know, this employee is a very valuable employee and I would definitely not want to um, just write, write them off based off of this one mistake that keeps on happening. And so I'm, I wonder if I'm too friendly or, you know, I, I leave thinking that must be my fault. I must have been too gray in the conversation, been too wishy-washy because this must have felt optional to, you know, take my advice or not. Mm -hmm. That makes sense. Yes. And I'm curious if you know what it is, but you're leaving a door open because you don't, you don't want to be hard on someone. Possibly. Um, Yeah. I mean, in this specific situation, it, it almost feels like you know, it's, it's hard to 
to draw the line of, you know, I like this person as an individual. I think that they do have great assets um, and that they are an asset to the company. Um, and there's so many good things. But ultimately, at some point, there there comes a decision where where it's not working out. And I think that this particular employee has been around longer than me. And so I think there's a kind of a, I probably feel like I can't quite I can't quite be the leader that I should be and that I am to other new employees who have only known me as their, as their leader, as opposed to someone who's, you know, seen me be hired and has been around before me and maybe thinks they have more knowledge than me. Um, it's probably coming from that if I had to guess. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, I just got a visceral <laughs> reaction in my <laughs> gut. I'm like, Ooh, yes. Yep. That, that feels right. So to some extent you've, you go into these meetings and you feel like the newer employee, as opposed to I'm the person responsible to make sure these things get done correctly. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. 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 So it, it's mindset for you. Yeah. Right. So there's something, and this is the thing, um, whatever our mindset is, we will exude that in unconscious ways, mm-hmm. you know, that we might not be picking up on, but you are picking up on it. Cause you're walking out of the meeting and you're like, <laughs> maybe I was a little unclear or maybe uh, I was yeah. too soft, but you're, te- what you're, what you're telling me right now is, and this is why I was like poking, poking, you know, mm-hmm. you know, you know what it is. And you're yeah. like, I'm being too soft. Not because you're intending to be too soft, but your mindset is he has more tenure than I do. He saw me as the new girl and I'm still Mm -hmm. that new girl in his mind. But the reality is you're still that new girl in your mind when you're talking to him. That's probably very true. Um, I'll take the probably out. That is very true. I, I can, I can say that, um, and you can, I can be both. I mean, I am still newer to the company. However, what you said, I really liked it. It's not, I never want to like act like I'm everyone's boss or, you know, um, I never want to come across a way of thinking that I'm better than people or anything like that, which I don't think that. So I don't know why I'm worried that it will come across that way. But ultimately what you said is I am the person that I'm is responsible for making sure that things are being handled correctly. So regardless of tenure, regardless of anything, ultimately the responsibility falls on me because if and when mistakes happen, I'm the one that has to answer for them. So it's nothing personal. It's nothing to do with anything else. It's ultimately these mistakes are being made. I'm having to answer for it. Therefore you also need to answer for it. Um, Madison, yeah. I have a big smile on my face because <laughs> I, I felt that. I felt yeah. that, right? Mm-hmm. That's the conversation you want to have with this gentleman mm-hmm. who, like you said, he's like, he's great, you know, all this stuff. It's probably he's just feeling like, yeah, 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 yeah. There are mistakes. Mm-hmm. I've been doing this for a long time. Mm-hmm. He needs a bit of a wake-up call. Yeah. And, and because like I have painted that picture of, um, you know, the company has been kind of going through massive changes within the last few years. And so there was a time where these mistakes weren't as dire. We weren't performing as well for our clients. You know, a few years ago, um, we have really tightened up, you know, the the customer service that we're giving our clients and what we are, you know, 
our step in the sales cycle for them. That's what we are. We're kind of um, not only a, a contact center, we are really a sales contact center. So we're taking their leads that they're purchasing. Uh, they're entrusting them with us to be the first step in the sales cycle and to either qualify them or disqualify them. Um, and our standards have gone up. And so our client's standards have gone up. And so some of the things that were once okay are no longer okay. And so I, I understand why it might be hard to break a habit if for you know years you were you were able to kind of cut corners and you were able to make these silly mistakes because it just it was only a silly mistake. But at this time, um, you know, now that our standards have raised, it's it's not okay anymore. And again, it's not to point blame or to you know say that anyone's wrong or or intentionally doing anything wrong. But ultimately, a mistake is is being made. I'm having to answer for it. Therefore, we need to have a conversation about it. A hundred percent. We've all been there, right? Yeah. Like, oh, this is the way we've always done it. Like, yes. why is it not okay anymore? And then, you know, right. you do get that wake up call, whether it's in a family situation, a work situation, friend situation, mm -hmm. living, you know, like it used to be okay that we did this. It's not anymore. Now we have to change. So we've all been in yeah. that situation where, okay, things have tightened up a little bit and we need to just like, pick it up a notch, mm -hmm. you know, and do better. Right. Mm -hmm. And it sounds like you already know the conversations you need to have, whether it's you talk to all of the tenured people together as a group, or you have individual conversations, because it might only be like one or two people who haven't mm -hmm. caught on yet. Um, but it sounds like, you know, the conversations you need to have. Mm -hmm. I think I do. I think okay. that I am just tiptoeing around them. Even though I psych myself up before these conversations and I, I try to use verbiage that's not gray and, you know, try to be direct. I think ultimately, like you said, if in my mindset, I am still feeling unsure about it, it's probably exuding whether I'm intending for it to or not. Yes. So, so my recommendation is whenever you go into any meeting, think about who am I in this meeting, you know, mm -hmm. and what's it, what's at stake? What do I represent in this meeting to get mm -hmm. yourself into the right frame of mind? Mm -hmm. Right. Cause we all have that in us where we're just like, oh, I'm just, you know, I'm just a new girl or, you know, mm -hmm. like I'm not, you know, I'm not a big deal or anything. Like yeah. we I all mean, have it. Imposter syndrome without, yeah. you know, trying to throw the buzzword around. But I mean, because I know it's so common. I know it's came up on previous coaching calls that you've had. Um, I think maybe women have it more than others, but I think anyone in kind of a new role in a new industry that I'm, I'm also new in, um, where I, I've somewhat fallen into this position, even though I do deserve it, but it wasn't a, I didn't set out for it. It was kind of happy accidents. And I know my, my, my hard work and my work ethic has gotten me to where I am. And, um, so I know that I do deserve it, but ultimately I think that it does kind of just linger in the back of in the back of my mind that that I am new and that you know just all of those classic imposter syndrome yes. thoughts and yeah. i will say this as human beings we all have it but i see it get reinforced in women more mm -hmm. and that's why it's more prevalent in women yeah. men experience it too but more women mm -hmm. will say yes i feel this way and it's, sometimes it's the way we're treated and sometimes it's the way we talk to ourselves. So, mm -hmm. okay, great. So you have some, some tools in your toolkit to kind of face that thing okay. to do. Yes. All right. <laughs> Anything else? Um, 
No, not, not, um, entirely. I think that this has been super helpful. I, my kind of last thing was, um, just feeling burnt out, but I think that ultimately it's all of these things are making me feel burnt out. So I think kind of tackling both of them, even, um, you know, just, just separating this conversation into two, even just the time management and like the anti-confrontational mannerisms that I have. I think that obviously the time management sounds like those issues are what's making me feel more burnt out. But I think as well, not having the conversations that I need to have or them not being as them not producing the results that I would want them to is probably also contributing to that. Um, I know I don't have awesome boundaries with like my work life balance, which I know was, um, I think something that you were talking to Andrea about a lot and, and that I am working on as well. But I think that kind of solving these first problems will lead to a lot less of that burnout feeling. Yes. Two of the biggest culprits in uh, causing burnout is feeling like you don't have control like over you. And it's typical in work, like burnout is talked primarily in the workplace, but my belief is it it can be in the home too, Mm -hmm. right? It's feeling like you don't have control over things. And also that the expectations are too high and you can't meet them. But Mm -hmm. I think through this conversation, you're realizing like a lot of this is in your control. It just, you forgot that it was in your control Mm -hmm. and that your expectations were of yourself were incredibly Mm -hmm. high. It's not coming from your managers or the owners, right? (laughs) No, (laughs) it's really not. They have nothing but great things to say to me. I'm constantly asking them, you know, just remember to be transparent with me and, you know, please don't beat around the bush. I can, I can take your criticism. I just, the last thing I want to do is feel blindsided. And they're like, where is this even coming from? You're doing great. Um, and I'm like, okay, I'm just making sure. I just want to make sure I'm doing great. So yeah, I completely agree that a lot of it is internal. Most of it. Yeah. Yeah. Probably the question, even though it's a vague yeah. question might be very helpful of just asking yourself when, ever you're feeling out of sorts about anything and out of sorts could be mad, sad, frustrated, you know, all different emotions, Mm -hmm. just out of sorts when you're not feeling relaxed and, you know, confident and in control is where is this coming from? Mm -hmm. Because there's probably a thought or a belief that isn't sitting well, you know, and is creating that feeling of like, I'm not doing enough. I'm not good enough. Like, I don't know what to do. Like Mm -hmm. you, you are good enough, right? You do know what to do, right? Mm -hmm. It's just that feeling of usually confusion is us like not owning that we're creating our situation. Mm -hmm. 100%. Yeah. I need to probably be a little bit more self-reflective in which I, think that I am pretty self-reflective and, but maybe not as pointed as I need to be. Mm-hmm. Um, and really kind of figuring out where is this feeling coming from? Like truly, where is my burnout and overwhelmed feeling coming from? Because whenever I do that and I break it down, it's kind of immediate relief because it's like, okay, if I can list it all out, you know, I can see how easily attainable it is to kind of overcome this feeling. All I have to do is, you know, put a few things into action. So that's very true. Trust your gut. 
right? You yeah. like, like I, I said it throughout our conversation, like you're on the right mm-hmm. track. You're there. Yeah. Like you're saying it, like it was the answer was coming out of your mouth, but you'd say it and then be like, well, nah. <laughs> yeah. right. So trust your gut. Yeah. All right, like Madison. That. This was amazing. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much. And I know thank so many women are going to benefit from this. Yes. Any final thoughts? No, no, this has been very, very helpful for me. I'm going to definitely take a beat after this call and do some self-reflecting and make a plan because you just gave me a lot of action items that I can truly put into place that I think will alleviate a lot of the kind of feelings and the negative feelings that I've had and um, reinforce the good ones. So thank you for your time. I really appreciate it. What were your takeaways from this on-air coaching call? Is there one thing that if you completed it would make it possible to accomplish other tasks? Or it's foundational to moving forward with other initiatives? What do you need to do to make sure you have the space mentally and environmentally to get it done? Maybe the part of this episode that resonated with you is checking in with your mindset before having a conversation. Has there been a mindset that's been holding you back from communicating clearly or confidently? Head over to LinkedIn to share your thoughts and takeaways on the post corresponding to this episode. I would love to hear what stood out most for you. If your last promotion has you experiencing and confronting challenges you haven't faced before, consider working with me. I would love to support you through this transition, help you get your bearings and feeling confident in your leadership once again. You can find a link to schedule a time to chat with me in the episode description. If you're listening through a mobile device, that link will be in your podcast app. If you're listening through the Women Taking the Lead website, that link will be toward the bottom of the episode webpage. If you are going to ask your company to sponsor you to work with a coach, there's also a link to access a checklist that will help you to prepare for that conversation. As always, I hope this was of value to you and here's to your success.